Welcome to season three of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, amplifying Wisconsin musicians. I am your host, Zach Fell, here to help bring and elevate the great musicians, businesses, and organizations in the music field here in Wisconsin. This week we have the Fall Sound Band. Um, they are a, a pop punkish band from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, they had a new album that came out in March of 2022 called Keep in Touch. And it's their first new music in the last five years, combining multiple styles of punk and alternative music. Today we are joined by Joey and Ethan here from the Fall Sound. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast, gentlemen. Hi, thanks for having us on. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for being here. So let's get into your music origin story. Either of you can start and just kind of give us a brief summary of how you got into music and how it got you to where you are today. Yeah, so I I guess I'll go first. uh, So I I am the founder of the band. Uh, So technically, this band has kind of been around since I was in high school. Uh, We had different names and stuff, but essentially... It's always been me and a couple of buddies. So we've been doing that since I was like 2011 and then uh, started writing songs, um, but didn't really do much with it. Uh, Went off to college, kind of fell off (laughs) uh, doing that kind of thing. And then uh, halfway through college, I started uh, recording some of the music that I had written in high school and then in college and just did it all myself on my computer, you know, in my bedroom uh, with synthesized drums and stuff, recording bass and everything on my own. Uh, did that for a couple of years. And then finally, uh, after graduating and doing some other stuff for a while, I finally found people who were interested in what I was doing and uh, we started playing live. And that was, uh, Geez, uh, 2019, I believe, okay. was when we started. And uh, it was with a few different musicians who were uh, also from the same college as me, but uh, a little bit younger. And then from there, uh, we were just practicing, getting things ready to go and start uh, playing shows. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> so right. everything kind of got shut down for us. Right. Uh, we lost our bass player at the time. And then... Uh, in about mid 2020 that's when ethan joined the band and started jamming with us excellent and then ethan how did you get into music um i've been playing um i started playing drums about uh 15 or so years ago um and so i I started out pretty young and um was just taking lessons for um probably about yeah probably about 10 years um, up until i was about a junior or senior in high school um I started started out playing um, a lot of jazz music. Um, I was um, kind of taught by um, a drummer um, named Scott Napoli, um, who's who plays in the local jazz scene around Milwaukee, and um, he kind of mentored me throughout, you know, how to play drums and kind of gave me a lot of different influences and stuff to listen to. Uh, and uh, I just kind of kept playing. Um, drums um doing lessons with him um and kind of just had that that thing when you're a little kid it's kind of hard to you know keep with it and um kind of have that discipline um so i just kept um kept with it and i had you know a good support system you know saying like it's gonna you know it's gonna click at some point and that point kind of came in middle school for me 
um, when I joined a lot of band groups in school um, and kind of formed a band of my own um, in, in middle school and into high school. Um, and that's when it really just set off for me. Um, and I just, you know, was playing every single day and, you know, listening to all different types of music now. And it's was kind of starting to primarily focus on, you know, rock and um, blues and alternative and pretty much everything, every genre under the sun. And um, um, it just um, became, became a great outlet and a great um, hobby for me. Um, and um, my band um, in high school with my friends, we were just mostly a cover band and we played uh, all the school events and um, some bars and um, stuff around like in West Dallas and um, Milwaukee. And we ended up playing at the um, uh, at Summer for uh, Rock Onsen, um, the Battle of the Bands for um, high school age um, musical groups, and as well as um, at one of the smaller stages by the lakefront. Um, I can't quite remember the name of the, the stage we played at. Um, but yeah, it was just a great time. Um, and after that, we you know all went off to college and kind of went our own ways. Um, so I kind of just kept my head down and practicing. Um, and uh, did my own thing. I kind of auditioned here and there for different groups and um, played with different like solo artists. Um, and we just did some small recordings here and there, um, but nothing too big. And luckily I you know, stumbled upon the fall sound in Joey um, just about two years ago now. And it's been, it's been great ever since. Excellent. Yeah. Have you, since the pandemic kind of has, I mean, it's not gone yet, but things have opened up obviously a lot more than it had a couple years ago. Have you guys been able to go out and play yet? Yeah. So basically what happened then was uh, our our old bass player, Maria, she knew Ethan. And so she she got him practicing with us. And then a couple months into that, so this is like mid-2020, um, we had talked about getting another guitarist. And uh, so Ethan knew uh, our current guitarist, Ashton, from from his old high school band. And so he came on and we just practiced for for months straight because you know there there wasn't really anywhere to play right um you know not feeling comfortable with it and then in was it june june 2021 i believe yeah it was yeah yeah we we started playing shows and so then all last year um we were just playing as much as we could so we've been we've been playing pretty consistently now since then Okay. Yeah, it was about about three about three or four times um, a month. Um, was kind of like the average from from June into December. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. And yeah. so, how did the local scene greet you guys with with your with your music? So far, pretty well, all things considered. Uh, you know, you you're never quite sure how people are gonna react or like if you'll vibe with people. You know, and. Uh, I think the, a good signifier of that is whether or not people <laughs> invite you to play more shows in the future. And luckily for us, uh, like right away from the beginning, uh, we were playing shows and artists we were playing with would come up with, to us and be like, hey, we got a show in a couple months. You want to play with us? And so luckily, we've kind of just been <laughs> riding off that now. Excellent. And, uh, excellent. Just playing whenever people ask. Cool. Yeah, it's been, it's been really great because um, I didn't really have much experience with the... Um, you know, the local scene too much. Um, you know, I just played a few, a few shows in high school with my band, but we were, you know, so young and, um, you know, not as social, you know, as we are now. And, um, 
you know, getting, getting to play with the fall sound and, um, you know, the first couple of shows, I was just kind of shocked with how, um, how kind everybody was and how supportive, um, the scene is, um, all the bands we've played with have been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, just with, um, helping each other out with anything that we need, um, you know, and, you know, vice versa. And it's just been absolutely wonderful. Have you noticed any struggles in the local scene that you feel is like suffocating it? Or do you feel like now that the pandemic is kind of hopefully in the rear view mirror, the struggles are becoming better? I don't know. I feel like it, it's a little hard for us to gauge just because we're so, you know, green to the whole thing. Uh, we've really only been playing for like a year. So, it, and like I, I've been, you know, going to shows in Milwaukee for forever. So, there's not like a ton that I've seen where things are really different. Uh, it, it seems like it's it's a little hard, I think, to convince people to go out to shows these days. Okay, I think that's kind of the biggest hurdle that I've noticed. It's not so much bands wanting to play because there there are always bands who are always wanting to play. It's just you know convincing people who aren't you know like your immediate friends and family yeah to to take a chance on some band they've never heard of before. Got. It. Yeah, and I kind of I second that, um, and I I feel like I'm also kind of pleasantly surprised, you know, getting through this pandemic and everything with the amount of shows that are still out there, um, and kind of that um, DIY show scene and you know house shows and everything is something I never I, I never knew of and was never in that realm of um, of music and stuff, and so it's it's been um, pretty cool to see how everybody adapts to. Um, the different situations, you know, that we're all going through and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, still staying a little distant or, ma- or you know, having masks, um, it's still, everybody's still, um, you know, willing to come out if, you know, if they want to support a local band or if they're in that, that circle of local musicians, because um, we all, we all support each other and go to each other's shows. And I feel like most of our um, audience at our shows are a good chunk of local musicians who just want to come out and support us. Um, so it's great to see, um, you know, that, that music scene still surviving um, through all the hardship. And of the places you guys have played, what are some of your favorite venues? Well, I think I think the the big one is just Bremen. We've played there like a million times, even just in the one year of playing. Uh, it feels like a million times. We've we've played there a lot, so um, that's always a pretty fun place to play. If if you can get the right crowd, it's it's really fun. Um, trying to think other places. We we got to play the Miramar a couple months ago. Uh, How was that? It was some some local band. Uh, that was a blast. Yeah, fr- friend of mine, uh, his band, Mantra, uh, they like organized it and got a bunch of local bands, and that was that was really cool. You know, um, just due to circumstances and stuff, it got rescheduled, and so not a ton of people were able to show up. But just being able to play in a venue like that, um, as a band our size, was like really really cool, at least for me. Excellent. Yeah, the yeah. Miramar is a cool place. Let's kind of turn now to this album that came out in March. Yeah. When we start, kind of like give us the details from start to finish what was your writing process how did you do the recording did you do it diy did you go to a recording studio and then kind of like it was you know just take off the blinders and kind of like let the listeners know how the whole thing went down yeah so um so like uh like you said in our 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 bio and our little description uh this is our our first new music in about five years so uh that meaning that was an album that i put out you know by myself um, doing everything before the the current state of the band really existed, and so uh, at the time 
that was like 2017. And so around then I had already written um, probably like five or six more songs that were in like the very early stages of being written. And I'd have them all like written out musically, but I hadn't written lyrics or anything. And so uh, from there, you know, over the course of the next five years, it was kind of just whenever something came to me or um, I, I would write a new song or just um, iterate on the stuff that I had been written or had been written before. And I've kind of just been going off that. So a lot of the songs are just random, random thoughts and ideas that I've had over the last five or so years. And then uh, finally around summer of last year, uh, we started testing stuff out uh, for doing everything ourselves DIY. And we slowly started figuring that out, uh, buying some microphones and figuring out whose living rooms <laughs> well, we could get away with recording in uh, the easiest without the neighbors murdering us. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up just kind of doing it that way. So like October of last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was about October. Yeah. We, uh, convinced our old bass player Maria to let us use her living room and we convinced like her neighbors and her roommates and uh Ethan just tracked away on all the drums yeah about about half um a little more than half the album was for me was tracked in her living room um and we we just it was probably two days I believe um two Mm. separate days and uh we, we were just there um, as much as we could. It was probably like six, probably six to eight hours. We were um, yeah. locked in there um, just doing everything that we could. Uh, and then we kind of hit a roadblock with her neighbors and, you know, good experiences with uh, neighbors being pretty upset at, you know, the, uh, the noise level and stuff and um, some, maybe some miscommunications, but it was uh, kind of led us to, um, go from the living room into um, the basement of another location. And uh, we finished the rest of the drums there um, kind of in, in peace where nobody else can really really bother us or we right. wouldn't bother them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, which, so we, uh, which spot did you like the drums sound better, the living room or the second spot? So I think it, it's kind of crazy. Luckily how it's turned out. Uh, I, I don't fully remember which songs were recorded where. So uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm really glad cause I can't super tell a difference, but uh, I don't know for you, Ethan, which, which felt better for you. Yeah. Um, I would feel like probably that the basement would be the best um, because it was um, like a, a, a sectioned off room of the basement that was very, very small. Um, almost like the, um, the practice space I have at home where it's just like, just enough room for the drums and maybe a few other people. Um, so it's got a very enclosed sound, you know, so there's not much else going on. Um, but looking, looking back on it and, and kind of referencing all the different drum tracks and stuff, I don't, I honestly don't hear too much of a difference. I feel like we did really well at keeping the consistency in between the two different spots. Um, and I don't, I don't hear um, too much of a difference. Um, I think if we were to do it again, I would feel like a, um, and a locations uh, such as the basement that we recorded in would be would be a great place to um, kind of do the whole album just because there's um, just for acoustics and whatnot. Um, right. And obviously, we can you know figure out recording somewhere else if you know if there's a different acoustic needs or wants or you know artistic differences we would like to explore. But um, that's the one I would choose. Yeah, and you guys have 14 songs on here, and <laughs> 
The, yeah. <laughs> the shortest song I'm looking at your list right here, I think is like just over two minutes. Mm-hmm. And your longest is almost five. Yeah. And for, you know, for what my experiences is with punk, you know, style music is they're usually three minutes or less. So how did mm-hmm. you get to songs that are like, you know, almost five minutes long? So, so a big thing with the band uh, and the way it's always kind of been, I, I jokingly say we're pop punk ish. And that's kind of my, uh, my get out of jail free card for when I want to just do something that's not constrained by the normal, like pop punk formula. Cause for me personally, when I write in that genre, I'm much more like nineties, uh, like green day style, pop punk, less right. so like modern, um, like easy core type stuff. Um, so for me, it's, it's trying to find a blend of that sound, but then I, I don't want to be constrained to it. So I kind of just, <laughs> I, I write songs that are heavily inspired by like whatever I'm listening to at the time. So gotcha. uh, that short song, uh, it's called CB. And that's just me kind of doing the hardcore punk thing just to do a song like that. Uh, we had a song off of our first release, um, our first EP called Speedstick that was in a similar vein. And I kind of wanted to, do that again as an homage to that old song. Um, but then our longest song, uh, Losing It, that's that's my uh, Smashing Pumpkins influence where gotcha. I'm, I'm actually like a really big fan of old Smashing Pumpkins. And so sometimes I want to write something that's a little bit like that psychedelic alt rock. And I, I think uh, it's fun for us to experiment with a lot of different flavors of rock, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. Just because it keeps things interesting, you know. Um, uh, something that we get complimented on at shows is people tell us that they like the variety and that it's not necessarily like a band where every song sounds exactly the same, you know, right. the, the, the ACDC uh, paradox that people like to call it. Uh, yeah. Where it's like, they, they're all great songs, but you know, you can tell it's all written by the same <laughs> right, guy right. the same way. And I, I definitely try to expound upon that and hopefully it all still kind of sounds like us but uh yeah i just uh wanted to write a hippie jam song and so we did and threw it on the album you know so you talked about cb and you talked Mm -hmm. about um losing it would you like to put those songs on the podcast or were there other songs you'd like the listeners to hear uh i think there might be some other ones that i think people would be more interested in uh just more of a representation of our overall and if you want to talk a a little bit about the meaning behind that song, or if you just want to leave it up to the listener to f- figure out what the meaning is, that's cool too. Okay. I, I think, I think those other songs are, th- those songs are best, best left up to, up to people's interpretations. <laughs> okay. So what songs would you like to put on the podcast? Then? Uh, so our, the one that I'm kind of pushing and I, I mean, I I'd like to say I've, I've asked the whole band about it, but I, I I'm kind of the one pushing it is uh, pop punk kids. That's kind of the, the single of the album even though we never technically <laughs> released it as a single, but that's, that's the one. Yeah.
cool. We'd probably want to talk about is Ava, just because that's a that's a fan favorite. Okay. And then Ethan, is there one where maybe you'd want to talk about it? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with you on all those. Um, I, I'm in the boat of, I really like uh, a lot of them. I love the range of um, different sounds and music that we we have on the mm-hmm. album. Um, some of the ones that. Um, for me, it kind of catch my eye. Um, I am a big fan of um, Common Ground and um, False Starts and Broken Hearts. Um, that that one um, turned out really well. Um, especially a good, you know, thing before that was when we were recording that. I had um, never previously heard the song before, um, and we I kind of mm. um, I heard I we got to the, where we were recording and uh, I just listened to the the track and Joey kind of gave me a direction of what he what he wanted and what his vision was. Um, and, you know, we put everything together in the studio um, and I had no idea what to expect um, for that song. And when it was released in its final form, I was very, I was very happy with the end result. And um, I feel like that one's kind of uh, like under the radar for our album. Cause I know we have, we haven't played that one live yet. And um, there's a lot of our kind of staple songs, you know, such as Ava and um, pop punk kids um, and, I feel like that one is definitely one that's worth listening to um, as a listener. Um, so I feel like it uh, shows um, the fall sound in its, you know, in its, uh, in its best form, I suppose. It's, it's just very, uh, it's a, it's a good song. I, I very much enjoy listening to that one. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. And do you want to say anything else about the songs you guys already listed or like you said, just leave it to the listener to kind of put their own thought about what it's about. Yeah, we can we can talk about the other ones. Um, okay, go ahead too. So, uh, pop punk kids, which is which is kind of the the single of the album. That's our tribute to all things pop punk. It's uh, it's it's simultaneously a celebration and also <laughs> a critique of uh, nostalgia in a way. So uh, I I wrote the song specifically to like poke fun at people who like to. I don't know, pe- people who take too much stock in like the old days. Um, Cause there are a lot of people I feel like in the pop punk world who are still of the mindset of like, Oh, these, these bands, these old bands, like those, those were the days and they want to, you know, they want to relive, relive their teenage years. Right. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, to me as someone who's like still making that kind of music, uh, it comes from a place where I, I wish they would branch out and listen to all these new cool bands who are pretty much doing the same thing. And uh, if, if they looked hard enough, they could find new music like our song. And so that's kind of the, the hope with pop punk kids is to, you know, trick them into (laughs) trick them into giving us a shot, you know, gotcha. Like the, the second verse of that song. So, so on the same, but opposite side, it's also in reverence to that kind of music as well. Cause most of our songs are <laughs> contradictory. It's just a w- the way I write things where um, I'll, I'll take both sides of something. I'll take both sides of a topic that I'm thinking of, you know, and I'll, okay. I'll look at it from both sides. Um, so the second verse of that song is literally just me referencing all of the old, all these old songs and bands that I like and trying to put them in the context of this new music. So it's trying to marry the old with the new uh, to not, just think about the good old days but also maybe try to support the the good new days as well right 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 cool very cool yeah 
Uh, you got anything to add about that, Ethan? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think you put it pretty well. And um, you know, I always like to listen to these songs and kind of um, interpret them or view them in my own way. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of them are, you know, or all of them have been written um, by Joey. And um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of his his musical style and his his lyrical style. And uh, I just. I just love to sit back and kind of listen to, you know, what he's, what he's putting in front of me and, you know, kind of put my own thing to it on drums. I wasn't fishing for compliments, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I'll, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. No, lyrically, I'm, I'm, I don't contribute much uh, lyrically yet, um, but mm. I, uh, I like to kind of interpret it, you know, the, the way I see it and kind of like other people to do the same. And I like to hear the stories behind, you know, why the songs are written that way. Yeah, cool. that's 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 pop punk. It's you know, it's a it's a fast, fast homage to to you know early two thousands pop punk with a sick whoa whoa chorus. You know, <laughs> what more what more do you want? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, uh, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna talk about Ava a little bit. Yeah, then. I was gonna just ask you about that one. Go for it. Yeah. So Ava Ava's one. It's it's really funny to me. Um, so when we first started um performing it uh it it seemed to be polarizing i guess isn't the right word but it's it's the one i got the most uh mixed reception to from from various people who i played it for um like there were some friends of the band people who we knew who were like i don't really like that one it's it's kind of repetitive and stuff um but then some people were like oh no that's that's my favorite song um and so it's just been very interesting. So the the crux of that song is that it's um it's kind of our take on <laughs> it's my take on like a, a Nirvana song almost. Okay. Uh it's a weird blend and mishmash of you know all the different influences that I like. I believe I was listening to a lot of uh the In Utero album at the time when I wrote it uh years back. And so it was just trying to capture like that feeling um with like a you know hypnotic riff the it goes from clean guitars to really heavy guitars um, back and forth. So just trying to grab that nineties feel. Got um, And yeah, I, I don't really remember much about like when or how I wrote it, but um, I believe that was my intention at the time. Um, but then for the longest time, I, I didn't have any lyrics for it. It was just a song, you know, sitting in, in my files on my computer that I'd listen to every once in a while. I'm like, Hey, that's a, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then at some point, I, I really don't know how or why, but uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a really nerdy guy. You know, people who know me joke about my interests and stuff. And uh, I'm a really big fan of this show from the 90s, this Japanese show called Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's this weird uh, old show, robots <laughs> fighting aliens type stuff, you know, but I'm a really big fan. Uh, it's got a really dark edge to it and it's um a lot of the stories about like the psychology of the main characters and (laughs) dealing with like trauma and stuff and i'm like hey that 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 fits the mood of this song you know um so from there i so with that franchise they they had some movies over the last like 10 15 years that have come out periodically and i really liked the the titles of those films they're they're really weird and offbeat because they're kind of like translated from the Japanese. And I'm like, Oh, those are, those are really cool. And then I realized they fit 
rhythmically with the uh, the pre-chorus that I had written. So the pre-chorus of the song is literally just me saying the names of these movies okay. <laughs> that are part of this franchise. And so from there, I kind of wrote the whole rest of the song around that and just like uh, lyrics that kind of pertain to the mood and the feel of the show. And uh, they're not like direct quotes or anything, but it's definitely... Uh, things you could hear like the main characters say and do. Got yeah. And um, so I, I wrote the song and, you know, we, we started playing it and it really seems to be one that a lot of people really latch on to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people seem to really like it when we play it live um, just because it's different from everything else we do. And it's a little bit more alternative, but uh, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's definitely um, different. I was going to, gonna say the same thing uh or say that before you said it um but Mm -hmm. i've had compliments as well um on that song just because it's um strays kind of from the norm of um what we do and uh yeah it's it's one that i i enjoy to play um i enjoy playing um i mean and uh one that a lot of fans seem to like
my next kind of question is, I mean, we talked about where the drums were recorded. What about the other instruments? Were they DI? Were they through an amp? You know, kind of give a little gist of that as well. Yeah. So uh, it took us about like a month and a half because we were really spread out on recording drums. And so we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, I have a pretty decent computer here and set up. And so I, I figured it would just be easiest to record everything in my apartment. So uh, our old bass player, Maria, she came over a couple times for basically over the course of like another month after that. And she, uh, she had an amp. Um, I, I forget the exact model, but it's, it's the Fender cubes that you find. Okay. Um, they're really good amps, but they, they have a, like a, a XLR output from them. Right. And so we plug that directly into the computer, you know, and uh, I have a few plugins to help bridge that as well and make it a little more professional. But uh, we really just did that. Um, so it was essentially just based directly into the computer and it, it turned out really nice. Um, I feel like the, the ba- it just turned out really well. And a big part of that was just Maria's killer bass playing, you know? Uh, yeah, she did it. She did a great job on the album overall. Um, yeah, yeah, I love listening to her bass parts. Yeah, it was great for me because uh, on the last two projects for the band, it was just me coming up with everything. And, you know, I'm so sick of the way I write bass. So it was so nice and refreshing to have someone else do it and just come up with things that are like so so different from what I would have come up with. Uh, for example, on uh, Losing It, which we talked a little bit about, um, the long song, like she just went to town and came up with something that I just would have never done. So... I'm I'm really happy with how that turned out on the album. Uh, and then for the other parts of the album, it was just me doing guitar again here in my, uh, in my apartment. Uh, I had originally tried doing it in my living room. Uh, my landlord very quickly uh, <laughs> shot that down. Uh, I got a very angry email saying, I'm by the elevator. I can hear your guitar. It's way too loud. Okay. So I uh, did the classic throw the amp in the, in the closet, close the door. <laughs> And somehow, somehow, I, I feel like it turned out shockingly well for what it is. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, there's still like the DIY sound to it. it. It's not like professionally recorded in a studio, but I, I feel like, you know, if you have nice enough equipment, you can, you know, how, how different is it really than, you know, going into a studio right. compared yeah. to my if closet? You, yeah. If you put your mind to it, you can make it sound really good. Yeah. yeah and if you're... <laughs> ridiculous and insane like me you can spend hours upon hours tinkering away at everything to make sure it sounds good right i mean the beatles did it with four tracks exactly so you know it's not i mean it is the equipment but it's not just the equipment you know Mm -hmm. how good is the song written how good you know how in tune are you how and i don't mean like perfectly in tune but in tune with everybody that's on that album you know oh yeah is it melding together or is it just feel like you know snapshots of different things put on top of each other and it's not really mixing Mm -hmm. well yeah and i i feel like you know somehow some way it it all gelled really well in in the end um especially with all the guitar parts um because you know for the longest time we were a three-piece just practicing and i always wanted another guitarist just to do the stuff that I can't do while singing and playing. Mm-hmm. And so on top of that, um, you know, when you go to record the album, I, I had a lot of songs that had extra guitar parts, but 
once you're there and you're, you're always tempted to just add, add little sprinkles of fun things on top of the songs already mm-hmm. written. Uh, and so there was a lot of that on the album where um, it was a song that I, you know, written five years ago and had it a certain way. And then I decided to just add something on a whim and it completely elevated it like uh, for Ava, which we've already talked you know, yeah. enough about that song. But uh, during the, the instrumental bridge of that song, it was good and it played good live, but I just felt like there was something missing. So, you know, you add a single note bend underneath it you know, and it just elevates that whole part into something I think that sounds more full and more complete. Uh, and so there was a lot of that on the album, uh, like on our song Common Ground, uh, that was pretty much just a straightforward skate punky lag wagony type song. And uh, I was messing around and, you know, you have all the time in the world when you're recording in your house because you're, you're not paying for studio time. Right. And so I just kept adding like lead guitars and I'm like is this is this excessive to have like these melodies and stuff over the top and I'm like no no this is this is it this is this is what was missing on this one right right so it was it was a lot of that and again I I think for the most part it and I mean I'm obviously very biased but uh I think it all turned out pretty pretty cool you know I was listening to them and I I didn't think there was anything that was like overly done on any of the I any of that, that stuff yeah I, cool. I <laughs> it's a lot of uh restraint and and going is that is that too much because there, there were a few times where I'd, I'd have like a solo or something and i'd add like a melody on top of it and i'm like oh that's that's too much yeah right. once you start getting into you know hair metal territory it's like this is not appropriate for this song you know and it it takes discipline to <laughs> let yourself decide whether or not it's too much yes yeah, and for me it's also a lot of experience from the previous recordings because now this is the the third time I've been dumb enough to do something like this, you know, on my own. <laughs> and uh, it's learning from past songs where it's like, I, I used to have a really bad, I mean, it's, it's just different taste. Uh, it, I claim it's a bad habit where I would sometimes just do three part harmonies on every song, whether or not it needed it. Yeah. And I feel like on this album, I definitely scaled that back a lot and was like, what, again, what is appropriate for the song? So a lot of the songs, are just one vocal line, very yeah. sparse harmonies here and there, but I think it works for what the songs were, you know? Right. And, and you had mentioned earlier that um, some of your inspiration come from like, you know, the nineties music um, and two bands that you mentioned was Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Are, is Billy and uh, Kurt main um, inspirations for you for your singing or do you have other people that have inspired your singing style? Yeah, I think for me, it's I'm very much like a a musical chameleon where I'll I'll you know latch on to bits from other artists that I admire, and I feel like there's a lot of that where um I've been told that in my singing people do hear some Billy Corgan, you know I I have a higher voice, you know a little nasally sometimes, right, so, right. you know I get it, I get it. Uh, for me, a big one too is a uh, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, just right. As, that's the band I listened to the most in my life. Uh, and so naturally when you start writing songs and you start writing lyrics, you go to what you know. So it's a, it's a big combination of like him, Billy Corgan, uh, a little bit Kirk Cobain, a little bit Dave Grohl, you know, Gotcha. when I can try to imitate right, <laughs> something right, like right. that, you know, I don't have the grit of Dave Grohl, but I try. Just smoke a pack of cigarettes right before you do your singing. <laughs> yeah. You're fine. 
Exactly. It's and that, e- that Ethan was letting me down. Yeah, and Ethan, do you have certain drummers that you pull from? I mean, you talked about playing in different styles. You know, when you were doing lessons and stuff like that, do you pull from those people? Yeah, I think um, you know, growing up, um, my parents listened to pretty much every every genre of music. Um, I was exposed to um, a lot of music at a young age, and uh, you know, since then, I've grown like just a, a vast love for for everything. Um, it, it really started, um, my love for drumming and drums and stuff started with, um, you know, hearing, um, Led Zeppelin for the first time. And that's a big, for, you know, most drummers, that's like a big, um, you know, eye opener and, you know, just something that you're like, wow, that's awesome. I want to figure out, you know, how to do that. And, um, that was kind of my first, um, my first love and for inspiration and, um, you know, his drumming style. Um, and since then, um, I've listened to, um, you know, like I said, a lot of, a lot of stuff I've listened to, um, a lot of early blues, um, I'm a big fan of, um, and jazz, obviously with my, the background in, um, my, my lessons that I did for a number of years. And, um, I still listen to all, you know, every, every type of rock and, um, you know, folk and, you know, a little bit of country now and then, and it's just a little bit of everything. And, uh, I would say my biggest drumming influences would obviously, um, the first one would be, um, John Bonham is definitely a big part of that, but also, um, like Michael Miley of rival sons. And, um, I love the drumming of, um, Patrick Kearney of the black keys. Um, okay. I think he has this very simple style and, kind of the sporadic that it could be is um, a lot of fun to listen to. And um, there's, there's a ton more. I mean, all the drummers from, um, you know, late sixties going into the early seventies. You know, I love all of that music and I listen to, you know, every, you know, every one of them, you know, from, you know, Ian Pice and, you know, Keith Moon um, and, and, you know, drummers like them and, you know, even out through into the nineties and kind of that, revival of um hard rock and um you know power drumming is um, yeah i'm just a big fan of all of it and i can pretty much draw inspirations you know like a little bit from every single person um and so i like to you know listen to these drummers and kind of pick out like different things that they do you know like you know have the technique of one drummer and then you know like the style of another and you know kind of like the swagger of another or you know stuff like that i just kind of soak it all in and um internalize it and then you know spit it back out in my own in my own version in my own way um but yeah for musical inspirations for me it's um, very broad um a lot of a lot of rock and blues and and jazz and everything else i suppose right 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 (laughs) cool cool um, we're, we're getting close to the end of my questions here. Is there been any gigs that has made a huge impression on you either as, um, the person on stage or as an audience member? For me, uh, the best, the best live band I've ever seen in my entire life. And I will forever say this is uh, Queens of the stone age. I I've seen them twice now and they're just like a league above the rest. And so like, they're, they're kind of the, like, I wish I was that cool, you know, like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I strive to be, but you know, you know, you'll never be as cool as Josh Homme, but you know, right, I'd right. love to try, but yeah. that's, that's for sure for me, the, the, the biggest one that stuck out. Yeah. I've, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of, 
so much music live. So it's you know, like I'm one of those people yeah. who just go every single show you can um, during the summertime, you know, whether it's outdoors or indoors. And um, I've, um, you know, I love, you know, so much. I feel like I, I enjoyed a lot, um, you know, seeing I did see Queens of the Stone Age live um, and I've seen um, Green Day, um, you know, for that Hella Mega tour um, last year. And that was an absolute blast. I mean, mm. I can't say enough good things about about them live um, and um, I've seen um, yeah I mean it's when you think about it you, you can't really think of you know one band but it's so many people do it so well um, you know I, I, I like seeing um, Guided by Voices I saw them live at Summerfest um, I think in 2019 I'm a big fan of their music and um, how many songs they can crank out and how many albums they can crank out and um they put on a really good show um, at Summerfest, and uh, yeah, and of course, all the um, older inspirations that I have. You know, trying to see all these you know older artists, you know, before they're before they're gone. You know, so I've been to a lot of a lot of shows um, like that that have been so much fun. Um, you know, like John Fogerty of you know Creedence Clearwater Revival and um, and um, John Mellencamp, um, and uh, oh man, let's see. Uh, I'm blanking, um, George Thorogood. And that, okay. that was a good class for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a lot, most of the time I'm, I'm an old soul with, with music, <laughs> but I, I just love, love seeing everything. And, um, I kind of take a lot of emotions just from the crowd and crowd reactions and, you know, the music and just seeing the passion through other musicians. Um, it's just something that I, that I look for. I mean, that, that feeling of, you know, when you connect with the crowd or, you know, when they're really feeling it and, you know, you're feeling it, it's just, such a great feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's, and it's, and it's endless. There's so many local <laughs> bands too that, mm. you know, yeah. So it's, oh, yeah. it'll go on and on for sure. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. There've definitely been a few local bands where I've seen them and I'm like, Oh man, we, we really gotta, we gotta step up our game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to see how each of the local bands, you know, vibes off of each other and inspires each other and pushes each other. Um, it's it's just such a great, um, you know, bond between us um, and friendship mm -hmm. uh, between all of the local bands. It's kind of like everybody knows everybody and everybody is always um, doing the best they can for themselves and the other, you know, other bands too. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Do you? Is there any questions I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Uh, nothing really that I can think of, uh, otherwise just talking about like the future of the band, yeah. you know? So what, yeah. where do you, where do you see the band in the next three to five years? I mean, three to five years is a little outside of the scope of my future <laughs> planning, uh, not, or the not next so good year, that kind of stuff. But, uh, uh, so right now we're hopefully going to kick back into, you know, summer gig mode now that we've put out this album, um, you know, we've been playing these songs, but, you know, no one knows who we are. So, you know, it's time to, we can still go and play and uh, share our music with new people. Right. And then hopefully during the summer, during the fall, we, I mean, I have a lot of stuff written that I'd love to record. You know, we, we want to just keep going, keep putting out new stuff. It's kind of crazy because, you know, we just put out a 14 song album DIY, which is... <laughs> stupid enough as it is uh so we'll probably scale back and do like a little five song ep or something but uh that's 
that's the dream right now. We've got some, uh, I've got some interesting st- stuff cook, cooking in the back burner. Uh, hopefully now, now there's a, a full band. It's not just me. And so right. hopefully now there'll be a lot more collaboration and I'm, I'm very excited for what we're going to do going forward. Just cause yeah. it's going to be the same, the same fall sound, but totally different, you know? Well, that's good. You don't want each album to be a repeat of what you did already. Oh, exactly. I could, you know, I could fart out a million really basic three chord pop punk albums, but you know, what's the fun in that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, the future as well. You know, now that we finally have um, a full band release, you know, that we put out, you know, cause um, you know, I remember we were always talking how it's a little, you know, hard, you know, getting shows and getting, um, a following when you know re- your release is so old you know our last release mm-hmm. um, you know as a group which was just joey at the time you know it was 2017 and you know we're, we're playing shows and you know networking and you know playing as much as we can but it's hard when you don't have anything new to give somebody um mm-hmm. so now that we have that and um now that it's recorded and released and you know currently we're you know getting a brand new bass player up to speed on all the old stuff and all the new stuff and um you know, so we've kind of been light on the shows, um, you know, this first part of the year, um, but we really hope to, you know, get down to it again and um, just get as much exposure as possible. And uh, I can't wait to, um, you know, put all my ideas out to the table, you know, for this new um, five song EP. And um, hopefully we can, you know, ride some of the um, exposure and success of our current release and then, you know, transfer that into the next one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for how I how I see it, it's just trying to you know get us out there as much as we can and get as much exposure and um, keep getting tighter and tighter and you know getting that that uh, live chemistry down. Excellent, I agree. Excellent. Yeah. Where can people hear your music? Do you have a website? What's your social media? So we are the Fall Sound. Pretty much anywhere, any social media you're looking for us. Uh, I believe on Facebook we're the Fall Sound Band. But uh, we're definitely the Fall Sound Band on YouTube. Um, but yeah, you can you can listen to us anywhere anywhere you stream music, anywhere you try to find stuff. We're on Bandcamp, we're on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, trying to, <laughs> we're out there as much as possible. But yeah, right, right. So guys, thank you to Joey and Ethan of the Fall Sound Band for being here on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's an honor. Thanks, guys. That was a great interview. Everybody out there, go check out the Fall Sound Band wherever they are playing. Their links are in the show notes. If you want to continue to help amplify the great musicians in Wisconsin, please go out and see live local music. Tell ours how much you enjoyed their music in the show. You can also help spread the word about the podcast so I can continue to bring you great local talent almost every week. Please subscribe, leave a review, and until next time, support local musicians. Music.